0: Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. Okay, I rarely re-release an episode, but I found myself scrolling through the podcast archives and I saw that this episode I'm about to play for you had very few downloads. I couldn't figure it out because I remember recording this episode with Janice. It was one of my favorites of the year, but I looked at the release date and I noticed that I'd originally aired it in the early summer of 2020. So I can pretty much guarantee that most of us were obviously a bit distracted at that point in time. But this conversation is a worthwhile listen. It seems like this will be new to most of you. So let's get to this replay of values-based budgeting with my guest, Janice Scholl. Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Today I bring you my conversation with host of the Money, Career, and Motherhood podcast, Janice Scholl. Janice has made an entire career out of talking about money and business. She found her purpose when she began mentoring female entrepreneurs in 2012. Today, we will define how value-based budgeting varies from a typical budget. A budget is designed to help people have the money to spend on the things that they want to. It shouldn't feel like a restrictor, but an enabler. Changing your family's financial future requires a change in behavior, and there's no better time to start than today. But before we get to the interview, would you say that you benefit from listening to the Minimalist Moms podcast? If so, it helps enormously to share it with your friends and to follow on the Minimalist Moms Instagram page. As I've said in the past couple of episodes, I really do want to build up the community this summer and gain your insight regarding what you want to hear next. Also, I did mention on Instagram this week a little bit of exciting news. The podcast has officially hit 1 million downloads. I was honestly just so shocked to see this milestone hit you guys, and I don't really have words to say. I'm very blown away. I never would have expected when I first began this venture to have that many people affected, I guess, by minimalism and just some of the work that I'm doing with this podcast. And so I just so appreciate you listening and encouraging me on social media and really no comment or message goes unread. I just so appreciate all your kind words. So one way that you can kind of celebrate this milestone with me, if you haven't yet left a rating and review, it would mean a lot to me just to celebrate the 1 million downloads I know that there are probably some of you listening and that have been listening for a while that haven't done that yet. And like I said, it just takes less than a minute to go in there and leave a rating and or a review. So I would so appreciate that. It means so much to me. And I hope that I can just continue to bring you content that you like to hear and want to need to hear for the next million downloads. So again, I just so appreciate it. And now for my interview with Janice. Janice, thank you so much for joining me on the Minimalist Moms podcast today. Thank
1: you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Absolutely. I am looking forward to this conversation on intentional budgeting, and it's just so important for people to know how to manage their money. So I look forward to the tips and tricks that you share. But before we get into that conversation, could you just share a little bit more about who you are and maybe what it is that you do?
1: Sure. So my name is Janice Scholl. And I'm the founder of Mamas and Money. And through my career, I've been talking about money with people and spent a lot of time building financial strategies and solutions for business owners. And I I was a commercial banker. And I left that career path and I started focusing on women business owners and found that women were really struggling in a few different areas with money. First of all, They felt like they wanted more advisors and mentors who were women who were experienced in the financial space. They also felt like they were starting businesses for reasons other than just finance. Often they felt the corporate world really just didn't fit their lifestyle as a mom anymore and they were looking for something else. And, you know, I, and then it was both in their personal life and in their professional life that they felt really uncomfortable with finance. And so, you know, that's what I know. And I try to share my experience through the lens of motherhood with women to really help them improve their relationship with money. And kind of, you know, I find that women don't like to talk about money, but it runs the world and it runs our families. And so I like to give women the education they need to take money's hold off of our families and really put us in charge again.
0: Yeah, no, that's great advice. My mom says something similar to me because she's in finance and she always says, you shouldn't only depend on your husband to know this information because God forbid something were to happen to him, you would need to know how to take over that area of life. So I really, I like that you stepped away and are able to help women with that. now. I think it's very important. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: I love that your mom said that. And you know, it's really, there, there are so many women who are like, you know, my husband's great at that stuff. Mm -hmm. And we often, and even professional women who are breadwinners for their family often come home and let their, their husband manage the finances. And, You know, I'm not here to tell you how you need to manage that relationship with your spouse, but it is important to know what's going on in your finances. So at some point in your life, the woman of the household will become the financial manager for the household like 90% of the time. Mm -hmm. You know, we outlive our spouses. Unfortunately, divorce is something that happens in our culture often. Uh, And so we really do need to do exactly what your mom said and be prepared for for events that we don't want to think about.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, and again, it doesn't have to be that you're the one who's actively doing everything, but you got to know where to find stuff
0: mm-hmm.
1: because crazy things do happen more often than we would like to admit.
0: Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I agree with both of you. So I want to get into one of the questions that I ask every one of my guests, and that is, if you are a minimalist, and I always do want to differentiate between frugality and minimalism, because I don't think you necessarily have to be frugal in order to be a minimalist. So I'll let you explain what minimalism has looked like in your life.
1: Yeah. So we, um, and and I'm so glad you made the differentiation between minimalism and frugality because they are super different, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you can be frugal and buy lots of things And you can be a minimalist, but really focused on kind of longevity of a product and actually buy more expensive, higher quality. Mm -hmm. Um, I would consider myself actually more of a minimalist and selectively frugal Mm -hmm. Uh, because, you know, we've saved quite a bit. And so we feel comfortable in our financial situation. And so, To us, that's the opportunity to be able to spend on the things that we care a lot about and that we know our family values and that we're going to use regularly. And and to back up, we moved overseas for five years. So we moved once overseas with a long expected transition. And we had to experience downsizing from a traditional American household, which we had accumulated loads of stuff into a smaller apartment style living in Asia in Singapore and then we moved from Singapore to J- Japan and that we really only had like 30 days to prepare which may sound like enough time but it's not even a little bit of enough time mm-hmm. to move countries yeah. and um and then we've since moved back to the US so we've moved a lot with two little kids and I'll tell you having to pack up a household so many times in so few years like We only buy stuff that is meaningful to us, whether it's to support the activity of our family or to, or it's, it's super useful and we need it because Mm -hmm. we know what it's like to pack it up Mm -hmm. and we know how quickly you forget Mm -hmm. when you're, when you're waiting for your shipment, for instance, when you're moving overseas, you know, six weeks, you think you can't live without stuff, but you can. Mm -hmm. So it's funny because I don't think of myself as a minimalist because We have what we want, Mm -hmm. and we have what we need. But I know by the standards of minimalism, we really are Mm -hmm. because because I don't want it, it. It just doesn't feel like it. Doesn't feel like I am living without. And sometimes I feel that when people consider minimalism, they focus on the without piece. Mm -hmm. And I really focus on the We have the most important things that we want and need. Mm
0: -hmm. No, absolutely. What you said is important. I think for people that aren't moving as well, just that you saw what you could live without for six weeks. And I always tell people, if you are struggling to minimize in your, in your home, Why don't you take things away for a month and see what you can live without for that period of time? Because you're, like you said, you can live with a lot less than you actually think. So let's transition into our conversation. I decided to call this episode values-based budgeting. And I think that's a little bit different in regards to a typical budget, just because you are being very intentional. So I'll let you maybe define it for your family and what you think values based budgeting looks like and is.
1: Yeah, so I kind of mentioned that I feel like we're minimalist with uh with kind of selective frugality and I think that that's kind of the way I like to look at budgeting also. So values based budgeting is really setting your values, your family values first and then aligning your spending with that. So one way that people are often familiar with doing this kind of assessment is with their time. So we often hear that you know we're not intentional with our time. And when we do the hard work of looking at the way we spend our time, mm-hmm. we often say, I didn't realize I was surfing the internet as much. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how much scrolling through Facebook I was doing. When I say that my family is important, But actually, that's not where I'm spending most of my time. And there's many different areas, right? Mm -hmm. We're not spending on our self-care and our physical well-being, but we care about health and wellness and and supporting our family's journeys on that too. with our money, we should be intentional also, but we often get stuck in a path of inertia mm-hmm. with the way that we spend.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And inertia is a powerful force. It is hard to change unless we recognize what we're doing. The other reason I really focus on values based budgeting is because, you know, there's not one size fits all for budgeting. A lot of the advice out there today talks about how you should be spending this percentage on this area of your budget and this percentage in this area of your budget, that's, that's really going to vary by family Mm -hmm. because, you know, a family that's super into sports and maybe has a child that's on a travel hockey team, for instance, that's a considerable expense. Mm -hmm. But if there are reasons why that is important to the family, if, you know, the family values the travel time together, that they're all into sports and that it's a bonding experience, Mm -hmm. that the the child is learning teamwork and social skills through the sport. You know, that might be very appropriate for one family, Mm -hmm. but it might not be appropriate for another. Mm -hmm. And so I think really setting the values and then having the money follow the values will take it from, I feel like I have to make decisions based on the money to money is a tool, which enables me. Budgets, people feel restricted. And people feel, just like in minimalism, they might assume that it means that they have to get rid of their stuff and they can't buy stuff. Mm-hmm. That's not the purpose of the budget. The budget is designed to help people have the money to spend it on the things that they want it to.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it shouldn't feel like a restrictor. If you're doing it for a long time, it should actually feel like an enabler.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think you're right. So often we look at these how to lists on Google and it doesn't align with where we're spending our money. And then we don't know where to start then because we're like, wait, this has been laid out for me, but I don't do, I don't, that's not the way that I live my life. So I do like that you mentioned that. I recently have had a guest on Heather Brown and she was discussing budgeting as well, more so in regards to meal planning, groceries. And I know that those are two big areas on most of our budgets on everyone's budget, I would assume. And so I'm just curious, what are other areas that are essential in our budgets? Because like you said, it's going to values based budgeting looks different for everyone. But what are some of the essentials that we are going to have to include in our budget?
1: Yeah, well, so food is definitely a big one. And many families focus on it first mm-hmm. when they're trying to improve their financial situation because it's an area that's tangible and it's quick, right? Yeah. We grocery shop often, we have control over the purchases that we make, whereas sometimes it doesn't feel like our housing situation is within our control. Um, same thing with utilities. There there are necessities um, that we don't have as much control over like the necessity of food. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Plus there's a lot of, there's a lot of room for improvement with food because we do use, you know, takeaway and restaurant service so often in our culture that, you know, finding ways to cook at home is important. So I think that that is a really important step and it's great that families take that first. The other ones are more long-term, but there's a short-term step that I recommend people do first, which is look at every single subscription you have running through any account or credit card mm-hmm. because we are very good at forgetting what subscriptions we're, we have mm-hmm. that are just autopilot deducting from our accounts. And we are also really good at being aspirational in our subscriptions. So let's take a gym membership, for instance. Mm-hmm. And right now it's we're in a weird situation because we're not going to the gym. But in the ordinary course, often we'll say, okay, well, I want to start exercising. So I'm going to start a gym membership. And then we go to the gym for a while and then we keep the membership with the intention of still going, mm-hmm. but maybe we go less. Mm-hmm. And you know, the amount of the gym membership might seem reasonable at full use, But if you're only using it a couple of times a month or once a week even, Mm -hmm. is that the most cost-effective way to do it? Mm -hmm. So question every single subscription. Make sure that there are not things that you've forgotten about that you're paying for Mm -hmm. because we will go months and months without considering that. And then also look at the cost per use of the subscriptions that you have. Make sure it's something that you really value. Today, there are plenty of subscription options, but there are also cost-per-use options too. So a simple example is Audible. It's not very expensive. You know, I think it's like 15 bucks a month, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're not listening to to the books, is it worth it? Mm -hmm. There are now options where you can spend three bucks on one book Mm -hmm. or, you know, other cost per use options. So, so cut down the subscriptions Mm -hmm. is the first step for kind of impacting out after the food, right? Mm -hmm. Then you're into the longer term stuff, which is housing and transportation and other types of spending that, you know, you can't change where you live immediately, Mm -hmm. but you can look at high cost of living versus low cost of living. What is physical space outside really important to you? Is living near family members really important to you? Now, let's say I don't want to move away from my family. We need to live within a certain proximity to our extended family members. And the fact is we're in a high cost of living area. Then that's fine, but you need to build your budget to accommodate the fact that that's a concession you're not willing to make. Mm. Another family may say, hey, we're living in this high cost of living area and we wouldn't mind extending our commute a little bit. And moving away from family for us to be able to have more money to support the activities that our family wants to do. Maybe it's to travel or you know support the kids' sports, things like that. Um, that's how you can think strategically. And you know, people think that they're stuck with their housing situation, but in the long term, we can actually make adjustments that slowly align those high expense, long term things to our values.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So for someone that hasn't begun a budget of their own yet, I really want you just to break it down into the most simplistic steps. Where do we start? Do I just get a pen and paper and just start listing off my purchases? What would you say?
1: Yes. So the first step is to track expenses. So I think a lot of people are overwhelmed because they think, okay, well, a budget is going to tell me how much money I can spend in different areas. Mm -hmm. But they're like, well, I don't know how much money I'm spending in different areas. So that's really hard to get to. Mm -hmm. And I would say that is like a step that you almost don't even have to focus on. Mm -hmm. Because when you start tracking your expenses, you will naturally make decisions about how you're spending that money. Because I can guarantee that we all have areas like the subscriptions I mentioned. You're going to find areas in your budget where you're like, we're spending what on what? Mm -hmm. You know, we we aren't as good at remembering our spending as we think we are. We operate a lot on autopilot and, and then the small things add up. So, you know, the first thing I tell people to do is to start tracking and I don't mean like track over $50 spend. I mean, start tracking everything like over, over a dollar track it, track it like you're turning in an expense report to your boss because you need to have the detail because the little stuff does add up. Mm-hmm. I mean we're all at home right now and so we're not going to buy coffee at the office and yeah. things like that but you know don't think that you're that you're being rational in your spending habits until you can see it on a piece of paper. Later you might say that you are but don't assume that you are until you have the data to support it.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: the first thing people want to do is track their expenses and then with that you want to break it down into some categories now you know there's there's budgeting in the regular world and then there's also budgeting as a recession prep and because we're talking in a time where we're in a really volatile and difficult economic situation i'm going to look at it through the lens of a little more I'm going to be a little more conservative uh, than I would be otherwise. So I'm a big proponent for paying off debt. However, we're in a situation right now where aggressive debt pay down may not be the best method. Um, And that's something I just want to put out there that when we're heading into a recession, um, if you can't pay off the debt completely, that I don't advise that that's your first step whereas many people do recommend that you should just pay off as much debt as you can. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to have monthly payments on something on a go-forward basis, whether you make big paydowns or not, you might need to conserve cash. So the first thing you do is you track your your expenses, track all of your spending, and you're going to get smarter about it each month. Mm -hmm. This is not a do it for a month and set it aside because you need to understand a lot of different things about your spending. So once you track it, you can categorize it by like what we were talking about, housing, food, transportation, entertainment, personal care, savings and debt. But I don't I don't even think that that's the most important thing. The first thing to recognize is, is it mandatory or discretionary? Hmm. Because there are things that are mandatory and there are things that are completely discretionary. And sometimes we don't recognize that Things that feel mandatory are actually a choice, mm. and maybe they're not a choice today. Housing is an example of this, but over the long term, they are a choice.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, breaking down mandatory and discretionary can start to help a family understand what's possible and what's not
2: mm-hmm.
1: in their initial steps of how they want to change their money. Frequency. And planned versus unplanned are the next two things I want people to recognize in their budget. You know, is it a monthly expense? Is it quarterly? I'm really like, my memory is not awesome. So I need to have something to remind me of the quarterly payments or the semi-annual payments. I'll forget about those. And so if I was trying to manage my cash flow, I would would remember the monthly stuff. I won't remember this stuff that's going to pop up periodically. And then, you know, as humans, we are we are, opportun- we are optimistic about the things that are going to happen in the future. But when you recognize that you have planned versus unplanned spending, mm-hmm. then it forces us to look at the hard data, which is sometimes we have to spend on things we don't anticipate.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Sometimes our, you know, our home repairs cost more than we expect that they will. And then once we start to have that data, we can make better assumptions about how our spending will have to be in those mandatory categories in the future.
0: That was a lot of really great advice. I was just I was thinking about just some of my own personal frivolous expenses throughout that. And like you said, what we've seen through this quarantine, just kind of what is essential, I guess, during this time and what we used to spend money on versus what we're not right now. And I'm not saying this is going to necessarily happen again. But it is interesting to kind of take a step back and see what is mandatory. So I really liked that piece of advice that you gave kind of transitioning a little bit. So how can we be sure to make a budget that serves our summer needs? Because we're often doing things that are a little bit different in the summer because we're, we have children home and we might not be working as much. So how do we create that budget that just serves our summer needs?
1: So I think there's a few strategies that families can use. And I will recognize that spending is super weird right now. Like, life is weird right now. So, um, in some ways we're saving money because we're not going out and doing some of the activities that we normally do. And in some ways we're compelled to spend money. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the other day I had myself convinced that we had to buy a massive play set for my kids in the backyard because I'm like, man, I don't know how we're going to survive this summer. Right. And, you know, I, I thought through it Mm -hmm. and, and I, and I stopped myself and Realize this is not a good use of our family's funds. My kids, they while they would love the playset, my kids really like novelty, Mm -hmm. right? So they're going to play with the playset for a while, and they're going to love it and play hard on it. But then they're going to get bored of it, Mm -hmm. and it also gets really hot in the summers in Tennessee. So there, there's a big period of that time that they're not going to use it. And when they do go back to traditional school, they don't use it that much in the school year. Mm -hmm. So. So I'm realizing that I don't need to spend that big amount that I feel compelled to buy right now to fix a problem, right? I have a household problem trying to entertain my kids within the boundaries of our house and yard. Um, But spending on smaller items in spacing out when I introduce them to the kids over the summer would actually be a better use of my funds I feel like for our family than buying the giant playset that that at that moment, I, you know, I was about to just purchase on the internet. Right. (laughs) Um, So I I want people to realize that like there, we are having impulses to try and fix problems right now. We have problems and we don't have answers and we have a lot of uncertainty. So just recognizing that, that pull Mm -hmm. is really important. So, I like the use of sinking funds and this is something that people can use in the future. But you know, you have your regular spending in the summer, which are the necessities and the household items. And then you have kind of the kids activity and entertainment and the fluidity of summer, right? Mm-hmm. So you can't start necessarily for this summer, but going forward, sinking funds are really nice because you can save over the course of the year. Like we have summer every year. A sinking fund is essentially just savings with a purpose
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you keep that money separate so you don't dip into it for other for other needs
2: mm-hmm.
1: but summer happens this isn't a surprise expense right but yet it feels like it every year when we're looking for activities for our kids that it's getting really expensive so saving up all year a little bit instead of having to to plan to have all of that spending in the summer can be great outside of that I what we do for our family is we do a family bucket list. Now, some people will do a family vision board or a child and full family vision board. While in my mind, I thought that would be awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just not not our style. So if I'm going to wait for myself to do the vision board, we're not going to do it. So we finally (laughs) just accepted that we're doing a list because that's way more... approachable for us. So I recommend that people break down the summer into time chunks that feel reasonable. So we divide it down into month and then by week. So we have some big expenditures usually over the summer. One is that we usually take a family trip. And two is that, you know, there's a certain amount of kid camps that we want to do. And there's always more that we want to do than we want to spend for. Yeah. So we look at the schedule in our time that we're going to be spending over that. Make sure that we're s- scheduling things that are broken down um, to kind of budget our budget our activities throughout the whole summer instead of having it all lumped together. And then be intentional about how much we want to spend in total for the summer, mm-hmm. so that it doesn't feel like we're we're just going and doing without considering the financial implications for that. The other reason I really like the bu- the bucket list for the kids is because they come up with all kinds of stuff that are... They're like way better at coming up with stuff that is free mm-hmm. than I am. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they want to go have a picnic somewhere new mm-hmm. and they want to do things that they usually have really great ideas that cost nothing. Mm-hmm. And number one, that inspires the family to do things that don't have to cost money but are really important to our kids And two, when the kids come to you and say, I'm bored, and all you can think to do is to go to the movies or do something that costs a lot of money, they've already got a list of stuff where you can say, Hey, what's on your list? What haven't we checked off yet? Mm -hmm. And the kids will love checking off and seeing everything that they've done over the summer.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, that's really good advice, too. And yeah, and even with little kids, you can kind of help them curate that list. Let's make some popsicles that are homemade and it still feels fun and special. And we'll stay out on the front porch, watch people go by, I don't know, catch fireflies. So yeah, I think that that is important and you can kind of break it up week by week and see how much that you have. So Wow, that's a really great tip. Is there anything else that you'd like to say? I guess in regards to either summer budgeting or just budgeting in general, values based budgeting in general.
1: Yeah, you know, I think you can get a perspective on how I feel about values based budgeting. I want to just tell people that you know when you feel like it's hard to get started, there's a lot of people, moms in particular. We are super hard on ourselves. We are such so good at judging how well we're doing at things, right? We Everybody struggles with money, mm-hmm. and I'm telling you, the people who are doing a great job saving, they have some money baggage also. So don't let your um, don't let your own judgment or don't let your beliefs about what other people are doing or not doing with their money stop you from starting. Mm-hmm. Just get started, and again, literally just track your expenses. If you do that, I promise you, you will make changes. That will help your family's financial future.
0: Great. I'm actually, so I didn't prompt you with this question, but I'm curious to know if you have an area that you're a little bit more frivolous in than you should be. I'll give you an example. For me, I like to buy coffee out, and it is somewhat fit into our budget, but also it's probably something that I can rein in. Do you have an area like that? I'm just curious.
1: Oh yeah. So I think for my husband and I, it's definitely going out for really nice dinners. Okay. So, you know, in, in, when I'm talking about our family is selectively frugal food is not necessarily one of the areas that we're selectively frugal. We cook a lot at home Mm -hmm. and we love different types of cuisine. And so it's not necessarily a budget area per se for us because I think I save enough by cooking at home but we do really like to go out for a nice meal sometimes. And, you know, when you go out with kids or, you know, you have a babysitter Mm -hmm. and then you have the cost of the meal on top of that. So that's definitely, um, an area that like we intentionally budget how often we do it because if it was up to me, we would definitely spend more on that than I think is, is reasonable.
0: Yeah, I can relate to that. I would say when we get our date night, we either do dinner or we do drinks. We don't do both of them because I feel like if you add that, the drinks on top of it, even if you're just both getting like a glass or two, it can, it adds up. So we usually just try and do one or the other. We'll eat at home and then go out for like a cocktail afterwards or go out for drinks and then come home and have dinner. So I feel like that's been helpful. I love that.
1: It's really about the time you spend together, right? You can enjoy some, but that's a great suggestion because either one, you know, we would enjoy.
0: Yeah, and if you don't drink, you can go out and have dessert. So (laughs) there you go. (laughs) Well, Janice, this was just such great advice that you had here for people. So where can they find more from you if they're interested in connecting?
1: So my website is mamasandmoney.com. And if you go to my website, I have a Facebook community, also called Mamas and Money. And you can just click the link on my website and join from there. And we're talking about this kind of stuff and recession prep and all kinds of fun and not fun <laughs> topics mm-hmm. that are related to money, but are affecting our lives every single day. Uh, on Instagram, I'm Mamas and Money Podcast. And that's about it right now.
0: Great. Well, as we wrap things up here, I'm going to ask you the two questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is, what is something you're simplifying right now? AKA, what is your minimalist moment of the week?
1: So I'm simplifying my time. So I find that I can definitely get overwhelmed by all the things, right? And there's a lot of things happening in our household right now. You know, I'm trying to grow my business, launch a podcast, start a virtual summit, homeschool my kids which somebody termed it crisis schooling not homeschooling and i really appreciate that cuz that's exactly what it feels like um trying to just trying to do all the things and so i feel super distracted right now and i've done this in the past i don't do it every all the time but right now i'm being really intentional in 30 days so i give myself a theme or a goal for 30 days and i forgive myself for the stuff that i let go during that 30 days like, nobody's coming to my house. So guess what? My floors are not the cleanest right now. I'll <laughs> tell you that the cleaning part is not the focus of my 30 days. Mm-hmm. Right now, uh, you know, it's, it's finding connection and building a family environment that feels less stressful and intentional than the outside world. So, so I chunk my time in 30 days because then I feel like it it forgives the, the stuff that gets fallen to the side when I try to focus and dig deep on something that's important to me. And again, I think it really just ties into my values-based approach. Mm
0: -hmm. That's great advice. Yeah. I think that we all can relate to that. Just, I didn't even think no one's coming over here. So who am I cleaning up for? (laughs) It's (laughs) nice to have it a little bit tidy, but you're totally right. It's, We need to put into perspective just this time that we're going through right now. So I like that. And then, my very last question for you is what is something that you can't stop talking about?
1: You know, I'm a little late to the table on this, but I'm going to tell you that it's so important and impactful to my life right now. And that's bullet journaling. You know, it's, I am not a really good user of planners. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've tried different calendars. Of course, I use my online calendar, um, my phone and computer, but. You know, for my to do list and managing all the things, again, um, I've really struggled to find a system that Mm -hmm. works. And I'm super visual. And so the way that many planners are designed just doesn't work with the way my brain operates. Mm -hmm. And so I love bullet journaling because it makes me so much more efficient. It helps me understand the flow of my week Mm -hmm. better than any planner I've ever picked up and really helps me prioritize and keep track of the ideas that I have that pop up throughout the week.
0: Great. Well, Janice, this was a great conversation. So full of wisdom and encouragement and practical steps and advice for budgeting. So I just thank you for coming on the podcast today and I appreciate your time.
1: Thanks so much. I love talking about this stuff. So it was a pleasure to be here.
0: What did you think of the interview? I felt like Janice had just tip after tip. I almost couldn't keep up, but in a good way, in a good way. So I just think that setting intentionality around the way that we're spending our money and then having the money follow the values takes it from feeling like I make decisions based on money to money is a tool that enables me. And that's what Janice was saying in the actual episode. Just that the budget is designed to help people have the money to spend on the things that they want to, and it shouldn't feel like a restrictor button enabler. I said that at the beginning of the episode and I just, even after listening to her, I still feel that to be true. We want our money to be a tool that enables us to, this is so silly, I I can't believe I'm saying it, but live our best lives. So what do you think? I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com. There you'll find links to the Facebook page, Instagram account, and where you can find me all around the web. Join me back here next week as I speak with Diana Renee of The Decluttered Mom. We will be addressing one of my number one questions that I'm asked. How do I get my hesitant spouse on board with minimalism? This is something that I'm asked on the regular, and I really can't wait to have you guys hear this one. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.